0: Previously on Nerd Punches Nerd. Cool as ice. And if anyone doesn't know that there is a movie starring Vanilla Ice as Vanilla Ice, and written by Vanilla Ice, I
1: don't.
0: Wait, is written it's by Vanilla Ice? Wait
1: a minute. I have no idea who wait wrote it. Wait a minute. No way. It is not. It is not <laughs> written by Vanilla Ice. Hello, and welcome to Nerd Punches Nerd, the only podcast where a bunch of nerds pretend to physically fight over minor pop culture minutia. Today we've got Jeremy here with Benji and Sam as Puyuge, and today's topic is going to be a pretty interesting one. Don't want to spoil it just yet, although if you're reading the title, you probably already know. Or maybe you do not mm but just to get things started, as we always do, we have one quick topic question, which is, if you could take any Mario character and put them into Street Fighter, which one do you think would be the best? Now, we have a lot of options here, and I think we should start by who's played the most Street Fighter, to who's played the least?
2: Okay. That's you, Jeremy, right? Oh, that's right. Okay.
1: Most. And then, who's, who would be number two?
2: I think it's Sam.
0: I don't know. I mean, I've played a little bit. I haven't played a lot.
2: Okay. Well, I, I, I've I have played uh, at least all of the Super Nintendo versions of it. I mean, yeah, all the Super Nintendo versions of it. I really didn't play much after that. That's so okay. That's plenty. All right.
1: I've I've, well, I've, I've played, I've played much other, other fighting games. games. I'm yeah. Okay. All, all right. right. Now I'm not sure what you guys are going <laughs> to pick, but my choice. Is Tanuki suit Mario. Mm. Now, I don't know if you got now I, I yeah. was thinking either him or Hammer Brothers, because when the Hammer Brothers Mario ducks, he's protected against fireballs. Which be good against like the your Hadoukens and the like.
2: Yeah. But
1: it doesn't defend yeah. against all the other attacks. And then I realized, you know what, when Tanuki Suit has his little he can turn it into a statue, which is basically ignored. Like nobody sees him. So someone oh, would yep. just yeah. So if someone was using attack, it would just go right by him. Now, of course, the the statue doesn't last forever, but you can deactivate it anytime you want. So mm-hmm. Tanuki Suit Mario would be able to just freeze into a statue as yeah. an attack was coming, and then as soon as it was done and they were vulnerable, he'd be able to runch out in his giant raccoon outfit and hit him with his big, big ass tail.
2: Yeah. Slam. Yeah. And you know what? You know what? Also, a special move would be the stomp. Remember, you, remember, you can stomp people. With the, the statue. That's right. Remember? Remember if you're right above them? Which Stop. is a pretty difficult maneuver to do. I, I've actually, I don't think, ever been able to do it. Really? Oh. Um, I, I, actually, I may have done it. I, I don't
0: remember it. ever using this statue to stomp.
2: You, you can, right?
1: Yeah. If you I, base, I'm, I'm not... No, you're right, you're right. I've done it before. If you jump right above an enemy and then use the... I think it's down in B. It turns into a statue and falls directly down. If you time it right, it will land on whatever's below you. And you can kill... Even things you can normally not stomp on.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good one. All right, Mr. Benji. Okay. I'm sorry. I do I do have a few, <laughs> I do have a few things. Um. Uh. I I just say that Bowser would be one of those characters that a lot of amateurs would pick because you like want to pick a really big one. Now I'm sure the people who you know those people who are really skilled in these games they'll find ways to make Bowser work and and I'm sure he could be, a, a, literally a beast at it. But um. I was also thinking that another interesting character which would be someone who would be unconventional but some but but who you could pick that would be sorta of, that if you master could be pretty devastating is Luigi in, in in Mario Two with those crazy sloppy jumps. I feel like if you can master those things, he can do some slams and all sorts of crazy stuff and be hard to catch. But my number one pick is um yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mario, where are Mario Mario. Not bad. Like um, uh, my, my number one is, uh, is just straight-up Raccoon Mario. And you might say that's the same thing as Snooki suit. Now, I think if it were a street fighting game, I think that they'd be, they'd be different characters. You know what I mean? I feel, sure. like it, I feel like even though that's not my favorite, it's one of, like, you know when you're playing Mario 3 and you just have the, the, the feather like the, the, ra- the raccoon leaf or whatever? Yes. When you have it, you're in a good position. That's a good, solid position. You know yeah, like, you, you, you you know you need you need three hits to kill you you can fly you can hit people it's a very well-rounded thing and I think I think that would be a very well-rounded character that would be a good one to if you're really trying to get good at the game it's often good to go to those characters so I'm maybe I'm looking, looking at it from a gamer perspective but I, you know okay
1: I feel like I can give you a good analogy in game so right. in, in this example your guy is like Ryu mm-hmm. and my guy is tanuki suit is more like Akuma who is sort right of like, right He's, like, the harder version of you. Like, if you could master him, right. he's even better. But he's not good for amateurs.
2: was Akuma? Akuma? Did they, like, train with Akuma? Was that no, their thing?
1: No, Akuma was the rival of the master. Ah, right. Right. Yeah. So can, he do, can he do Hadouken stuff? Like, he can do stuff like yeah. it, right? He has, like, variants on it, but yes. And he actually has a... He can throw a Hadouken from, while he's jumping. Ah, okay. Pretty cool. cool. All right, and uh, is that all? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sam, Sam. Okay.
2: So, so
0: you win. So, um the character well, at first I was gonna go with the princess, oh. just because uh, you know, Princess oh. Toadstool, of course, not Princess Peach. Um that's not her real name. But uh name, but
1: whatever.
0: Princess Princess Toadstool. Because first of all she already almost looks like a Street Fighter character Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and and so she, I think she would fit right in. Um, she can jump really too, so also that would make her fit right in. Um, and she hits people with a frying pan, so yeah, you know I, that would I, be respectful. I, I had route. feeling you were going to bring Mario. I RPG. decided that an even better answer would be Donkey Kong. Of course, of course, you know I was going to bring oh. Mario, RPG. but I, I thought I would say Donkey Kong instead. Now I know that there's there's probably some dispute as to whether Donkey Kong actually is the Mario character, oh, but please. I believe that he is because he, he, is. he first appeared. In the Donkey Kong game, which had Mario in it, and therefore that's that's also a Mario game, and therefore Donkey Kong counts in the Mario universe. Um, and it's kind of like what you were talking about, Benji. I think he would be a hard character to use because he's big and he would be kind of slow. But uh, but a really good player could probably be very effective with him if they yeah. if they could just figure out the timing of all the moves because his moves would all be super powerful. He would be yeah. like knocking people all over the place and throwing yeah. barrels at them too. In spin,
2: he would definitely have some like spin moves where you couldn't get near him. So he's you know? like yeah. a
1: he's a little zangiefy.
2: Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. Okay, yeah, he could go toe to toe with, with Zangief and maybe um, M. Tyson, aka Balrog. M. Tyson. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good. Uh,
1: call back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I can tell you one of my my backup
1: was Yoshi. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but he seems well, sort of like he seems like the character
1: because he can like, yeah, stick he out his tongue and eat anything and then spit you out as an. Animal. And
2: and and I feel like he could use his tongue too to like like hit people as yeah, well. Well, yeah, his
1: tongue seems like it's kind of the strongest part of him. Like he can, if he gets hit on the outside, he goes ah, and runs away. Yeah. But, if, yeah, but yeah, like you know, there's very little that, like, even if he sticks out his tongue on like spikes, he'll just be like, "Whoops, back in the mouth you go."
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so that that's true. I feel I I do think you're right that beginning be, like novice players would go after Yoshi, and and he's kind of a one trick Yoshi. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Like, like yeah. So, all although right. I did like the idea of trying
1: to do some of the you know the Mario RPG guys, you know, like your Genos yeah. and your Mallows because we just haven't seen them in any other game. Yeah, it's a that's shame because true. True. they're great. That's true. Love, I'd love to see them again. And... I think
0: that Mallow would would work very well as a Street Fighter character.
2: <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe not well, Gino. Well, he uh, he seems too powerful. Yeah, and most of his stuff is about shooting, and like that's not really a Street Fighter thing. Like, it's not it's not cool. You can't like shoot too much in Street Fighter. You got to go a little hand to hand, right? But think about it this way: like Bowser has
1: like his his attacks. Remember, one of them is throwing the spike, and one of them is throwing Mario. And think about that as a super <laughs> move for That's Street Fighter, where That's basically right. he goes like "bo," and then he and then he he reaches off screen, grabs Mario, and throws it at the opponent. You got come on, that would be pretty great.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, that was amazing. I remember that. Are movie. you now, listening, that was, Nintendo? That, that's like that, 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 was, that. was like that was like one of the many things that made Mario RPG an incredible game. The fact that one of his moves, one of, one of the, his weapons, was Mario. Growing <laughs> <You laughs> Mario, I know. It was so perfect,
1: <laughs> and it was just it was just a weapon, just yeah. a weapon <laughs> you could
2: get. <laughs> and Mar and Mario freaking out too. Oh, is that? Oh, well. <laughs> the, well, it's great, because also, like, like, are there any other games where Bowser... Yeah. I mean, there are other games you can play as Bowser, but are there any other games where Bowser's on your side? Like, the only or like Bowser?
1: one I can think of is Super Paper Mario, which is sort of like... that's a it, sequel to a Mario RPG, right? It, it's sort of, yeah. It, it's, it's like a spiritual successor. There's, well, here's the thing. There was Paper Mario for Nintendo 64, but Koopa was the bad guy. Then there was Paper Mario Thousand-Year Door for the GameCube, where Koopa wasn't exactly the villain... There was a different villain but and Koopa was going out after him also, but you got to play Koopa in a couple of levels that were that looked they did like a side scroller where you could go through a level that looked like the original Mario game and you would just sort of smash through things. Cool. Which was pretty awesome and it was so popular that people said, "We got to have him in our next game like this." And they did. So the next one was called Super Paper Mario, which is more of like a mix between RPG and platform. Uh-huh. I liked it. It was they all cuz all the you had four guys Princess, Luigi, Koopa, and Mario, and they all had, like, special moves. Luigi could jump really high, as you might imagine. Koopa could, you know, shoot fire. Peach could float, and, and like, protect herself with the umbrella. And Mario had the coolest ability, I think, which is that he could change the 2D map into a 3D map. And that was actually how you, like, solved puzzles and got around and stuff. It was pretty cool. Alright, Al. I think that was a good little discussion. Let's talk about today's topic. Now, one of the things that I think we spent a little time on was the logo for our, our website and for the podcast itself. For the for the opening theme, you mean? Yeah, the opening and, video. and the website as well. It's the Nerd Punches Nerd logo, if you will. And I thought today we could to talk a little bit about all the different circles. In it, and why those were relevant to us, and why they each of them represents an aspect of our nerdiness.
2: Yeah, and, and I think I think also aspect of nerdiness in, in general too. Like why we why we could classify it as right nerdiness. totally.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like that parallel. What is the connection there? Okay. if we were if we were, if we were
2: like if we were like Alex Ovechkin nerds, you know, that wouldn't necessarily be in the classification of nerdiness, you know. So, uh-huh. but we could just be fans of Alex Ovechkin. Which, which we are, and you are, Jeremy, without you misunderstanding. Even though it's interesting, you're the only one who lives in D.C. out of the three of us, yet probably Sam and I are more into the Capitals than you are. Actually, definitely we are. Yeah,
1: so. I kind of got disillusioned from them back in the day.
2: You never were in. Oh, well, definitely I guess we you.
1: No, I was for a while, but I got sick of them losing all the time. <laughs> you didn't really, Okay. Anyway, so, I was that was that's, that's how sports teams
0: filter out their their true fans by losing. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. I was never a true fan, I guess, whatever that means. It's it's hard it means to be a you're G- not G-
0: actively engaged in an abusive relationship with them.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That that's what it's like you, being you a DC abusive. fan. Being a DC sports fan is being in an abusive relationship because the thing is, is that they'll, 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 be like, they'll be so like good. And they'll give you so much hope. It's just like them lining be like, baby, I'll take you out. We're going to go to, we're going to drive to Vegas and then we're going to go to the mountains and we're going to go to the Grand Canyon. It'll be so great. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then choke last minute, gets drunk, you know, crashes the car, you know, sleeps with another chick. That's what, that, that's what it's going. That's what's going on. Super cool baseball. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, it's
0: actually, it's exactly like that.
2: Man, you are such a nerd.
1: (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) back to the topic. (laughs) So, we have sort of three categories. One of them is fantasy, one of them is sci-fi, and the rest are other things. And the reason we did it like that is because, the truth is, when you really come down to it, in the realm of nerdiness, sci-fi and fantasy are just huge. They are just just Yeah. I don't know if you can find anything that is more associated
2: like that. Comic books originally, yeah, comic originally books, in our in our
0: first logo you had we had listed like sci fi fantasy, um comic books mm-hmm. and video games, right? Yeah.
1: Which are sort of like the classic thing, but the thing is
0: But but I think we have gone beyond those a because little bit into into some other categories.
1: You're right, if what you mean is to say fantasy and sci fi movies. But the truth okay. is you really gotta go beyond that. And that's sort of oh, yeah. the point. That's the I point agree. of what we did here is we kind of looked into getting out there. So I thought let's start by talking about the two the big two and then we can get into the specifics. Okay. So let's start with Gollum. Okay. Who is the representation of the Lord of the Rings books, comics, cartoons Made and yeah. movies because i That, that was your I'm choice not, yeah. Not
0: familiar with the comics i didn't know that there were lord of the rings comics i guess i should have uh, should have guessed that. Well,
1: well of course. it's basically that, just like graphic novelization. There are yeah. video games too, but none of us have played them.
2: I well, also Sam, games. Sam, remember like almost every single at least sort of sci-fi or fantasy movie like becomes a graphic novel somehow. Like you go to like like Sporters doesn't exist anymore, but you go to like a bookstore, you go to Barnes & Noble or whatever. Um, normally, I'm sure you've seen this. They have some sort of graphic novel dedicated to the to the movie, and it's usually crappy. Oh. Um, but okay. unless unless it's unless like the movie was based on a specific thing, like I remember when Batman Begins came out, they had Frank Miller's um, Batman uh, Year One. Is that what it was called? Year yes. One. The yes, exactly. Right. Batman Year
1: One, and there was The Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Year One. Yeah, all right. that stuff. Okay. Well, the year one was sort of like his right. take on the first year of Batman being Batman. Right, right, right.
0: That's cool.
1: Not everyone agrees with his take. I'll just put it to you that way. Uh, I'll give you an example. No, so we, so we obviously have Gollum. Uh, but yeah, so why does that matter? As a nerdy why, icon, why
0: does Gollum matter, or why does Lord of the Rings matter?
1: Well, I think it's both. They're both there, and I think that's actually well, we we right
2: have. It. I mean, it's one, it's one, it's one of the big ones. I mean that's just we, like like we couldn't do fantasy without putting Lord of the Rings there. I think pretty much is the truth. That's, then, the, that's the
1: way. I have, uh, yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. So once you get Lord of the Rings, then how do you parse down to the specific character or image to use? Because there's so many. There's a lot of iconic characters. I mean, you got Gandalf. You got your Frodos and your Bilbos. You got your Elvish pretty boys. You got your
2: Aragons or Aragorns. Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, people make that mistake more often than uh, I like. Sorry. Um, yeah. Well, that was
1: just, let's just say that was a joke.
2: I, actually, know, I, think, I, I think it's I
0: obvious though that Gollum is, is
2: sort of yeah the, He's such the a definitive character. character. I, yeah, that's true. I think I think Gandalf is the only other possible option, really. But what were you gonna say, Jeremy? Well, okay. I could. So here's my perspective.
1: I hadn't really read much of the Lord of the Rings books. I had read The Hobbit before the movies came out. So when I saw a trailer the first trailer for the second movie, The Twin Towers, that Gollum was in it. I was like, oh, yeah. Gollum's in this? I was so happy. I was excited because he was always such an interesting character and it looked like they had him right and the voice was great, you know, that yeah. that he did. I mean, that, the voice was, you know, very good. Yeah, and he started
0: to, Yeah.
1: You know, I just loved that one. And I thought it worked really well. He's such an interesting character in that he sort of represents this tragedy and the, mo- the movie kind of doesn't quite end with him but yeah the story is kind of about what's his face Baggins you know Frodo I guess mm-hmm. but it's also kind of about it's the parallel story also about Gollum as sort yeah. of like the opposite yeah. version remember he's supposed to mm-hmm. be kind of like the evil hobbit that got corrupted by the ring and I uh-huh. think that's interesting it's interesting thematically but it's also interesting visually and how it's become so such a recognizable image.
2: Yeah. Gollum is a recognizable character. His voice is a recognizable voice too and and the phrases. Yeah. I yeah, mean, definitely. you can say my precious anywhere. And like, you know, we all we all and Sam I'm, I'm sure it includes you too. Actually, you know Lord of the Rings better uh, anyway. Um like we all knew the phrase my precious beforehand. You know, we knew right. about that and we knew it was a memorable phrase. So it's always actually been a memorable phrase. From The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. But the thing is, is that definitely since the movie, everyone knows what the fuck it is. And oh, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. and, 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 and Jeremy you're really right that he's like the breakout character. Like, you always notice Lord of the Rings that he's the one thing that's like, that's so kind of oddball and out there and, and weird and experimental of the whole thing because Lord of the Rings does have a tendency, even if characters have some sort of complexity, like a little bit, it still tends to be, I don't say cut and dry, but whatever the characters are, are what the characters are. You know what I mean? Or they turn evil. Let's just say
0: most of the characters in Lord of the Rings are kind of bland.
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, it's really a, it's really a story I don't
0: necessarily mean that as a criticism of Tolkien because I think he was going for a certain kind of aesthetic. Um, you know, I mean he was he was reaching back to these old traditions of, you know um, like Norse sagas, the you elder know like, Ada, like from if you will, right? Right. That were written in like old Finnish or whatever. Um, and and like there's a certain there's an aesthetic to that, and it doesn't have. I mean, it tends not to have like really deep, conflicted, complex characters. That's that's just not part of what it is, which is fine. But Gowam is a complicated character. He is an interesting character. He's you know, I mean, in the movie they kind of played up the split personality thing. In the book, it's less so. Um, and but but in either case, you know, you see that he's this guy yeah. who's you know, he's he's kind of haunted by the ring one of my friends likes to make a comparison to him they're like being addicted to heroin or i guess in Tolkien's time would have been morphine not heroin but um but like if you imagine the ring is like a like a drug addiction and he's Mm -hmm. you know he's trying to recover from it but at the same time like he still wants to go back to it and he's trying to help frodo and sam but at the same time he will turn around and betray them if he gets the opportunity and like most of the characters just aren't that interesting in the way that he is right and it's they're really also like, not as distinctive as he is. So like most of them are are just sort of your basic fantasy archetypes and he's he's like a little bit different.
1: Right, well yeah. there's a reason that you know Dungeons and Dragons um borrowed so much from Lord of the Rings <laughs> to the yeah. point yeah. where they were going to call these characters hobbits and they said, "No. Tolkien invented that. Oh, they're not hobbits, they're halflings, short, half-sized men with hairy feet. <laughs> and they love food and stealing things.
2: Yes, they make uh-huh. excellent things. Well, well, actually, didn't didn't they use the word halfling in Lord of the Rings? I yeah, but you can't...
1: But halfling had already existed, so you couldn't really... You couldn't copyright that. Hobbit, yeah. he no. invented. Yeah. And, of course, elves and dwarves had been around earlier, of course, so he didn't yeah. own them either, even though right. they used his version of them. Yeah, yeah. But All right. I think yeah. it's also worthwhile mentioning that Fantasy kind of derives modern fantasy tends to derive from Lord of the Rings. A lot of the ways of people see these things. I mean, elves had a lot of different interpretations, but a lot of the early ones tended to be more tricksters and fairies than and like small things, not these tall, light, you know, giant things. I mean, it's yeah. different. Like it, for it's right, just, and like, also
0: not just not just that they're small, but also like Tolkien kind of invented this concept of like elves being as like. Ancient noble sort of race right, of like right. they're like high like intellectual, artistic spiritual, sort of um, right, philosophical or spiritual kind of creatures. Like that's I don't think that that concept really existed before him. think about um,
1: the elves from like the Santa stories. That's more right. like the classic right, right. view. Or think about the right. house elf, you know, people from Harry Potter. The, right. They're also used to be called things like brownies sort of, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. the elves that of the of the elves of the shoemaker fame, you know, or the Keebler elves. It's all sort of like a similar thing that these <laughs> are these old school things. So yeah, some people still use but, the. But, but has that
2: thing. has that bled over into it? Probably has. I was thinking, has it bled over into anything else but Dungeons and Dragons stuff? And then the elves are like noble and that whole thing. Well, people Is don't it,
0: use elves. Yeah, because there's tons of stuff that's based Dungeons off Dungeons of Dungeons and Dragons.
2: Yeah, oh, that's true. So. That's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, including some of our next stuff, too, but not even just that, but a lot of the aesthetic of and, stuff, yeah, which
0: we, we will get to shortly.
1: And, of course, replies, because then it became sort of common and cliched in a lot of the ways it was done, so then people started making responses, and they making responses to responses, and we've gone full cycle more than once with Tolkien, so I think it's kind of interesting yeah. just how much it's influenced, you know, just in general, storytelling. I think it's really interesting. All right, so let's move on to our next
2: character. Who let's is... let's do let's do Ned. Well, all right. I, I think I think just because because the next one's more a little more personal and that many not as many people know it, and I, I think that is I think you know the reason when we were making it and I was saying to Jeremy you know like well we should we should put him in is obviously it's pretty obvious that we're gonna put we're gonna put Ned Stark in, you know, mm-hmm. um, because also maybe just it could just be for the whole modern element of it. Definitely. But um, but now he's big in pop culture. But also, like I th- I th- I think it's pretty clear that Game of Thrones and the whole Song of Ice and Fire thing will be one of the monumental things in the fantasy world. Uh, in the fantasy world, when when you, we look back in it, ten, twenty, thirty, forty years ago, you know, if people are gonna trace the history of fantasy, you know, and when so they start with Tolkien and then talk about a couple other things but then talk about how Song of Ice and Fire came around the whole Game of Thrones phenomenon. It'll definitely be mentioned. Right. So, you know, we gotta up it there. And Ned Stark is one of the characters that represents um, uh, that represents Game of Thrones. I I and 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 not just the show, but the whole series. Because Ned really is in a lot of ways one of the focal points of the entire Song of Ice and Fire series. Even though, spoilers, he's in um uh, he's in just the first book. Whoa, whoa, first... whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Careful with the spoilers.
2: I said spoilers right beforehand. I said spoilers right beforehand.
1: <laughs> One thing that I think is interesting when we're talking about the Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire stuff is that the truth is there are a lot of other fantasy characters out there, and some of which have been very popular. But I think, Benji, you're right in that There's got to be a kind of resonance, a kind of impact that's going to be known. Now, the truth is, if we look at, like, influences, like things like Dragonlance affected a lot because it suddenly made fantasy books bought again. It made Dungeons and Dragons a viable property. So even if maybe it's not really going to be remembered so much, it was an impact. Or you could look at somebody like Gene Wolfe, who the people who know about him... Inspired by him, people like you know, George R. R. Martin or you know, or influenced you know, he was important, but again, I don't know that he's really going to be remembered at least, not except my
2: Gene opinion. Wolf. Gene Wolf not, is not, Neil Gaiman probably will be. Um, I think so. Well,
1: he's also very good at promoting himself, but I think like...
2: he does a bunch of different stuff, he's all over the place, you yeah.
1: know. So, Neil Gaiman's like sort of a character of, of himself right now, but yeah. I think it's it. We, so, we thought about you know you know, song of ice and fire stuff and game
2: of thrones and who do we pick
1: in terms of all the different characters
2: well i mean i think you could put tyrion up there i think um i think uh what's it, what's it called like I, I think you put tyrion up as ga- representing game of thrones song of ice and fire um as well you know what i mean
1: well or if you, if we're honest here, I mean, it's sort of Daenerys too because yeah, that that's was true. kind of that's true. I mean, that was how he started, right? He wrote a story about Daenerys. You
0: know, yeah, but but he Daenerys. said he's... you could you could put Daenerys, I think, um, yeah. or you could put Tyrion. Actually, I think I think Tyrion would probably have the strongest case aside from uh, from Ned Stark for being yeah. like the central character. But I think where,
1: why we put Ned Stark isn't because he's the central character, but because He's the subverted main character, and that's why.
2: You mean? What does that mean? Subverted. I mean,
1: what George R. R. Martin did such such a brilliant job of is making us really care about you know Eddard, and you know even seeing through his mistakes. You know, you you really want him to do well, and when he dies, yeah. you think, "Hop, oh, wait a minute, the book's not over. Wait, what? Is this like a dark book? Well, it is, but is that like the ending? No, there's yeah. more." Wait a minute. Yeah. And I think that's sort of interesting. And I think, of course, you know, this image that we're using is the one from HBO where he's sitting on the Iron Throne, and I don't think that's any accident either that Not he exactly. was used as part of okay. the
0: Okay, so, so if if I understand what you're saying, you're saying basically that while and might be a central character to the plot of Game of Thrones and, and a key character in terms of just you know the fans being a fan favorite and all of that um, but Ned Stark's story arc is basically the story arc that that lays out the kind of story that song of ice and fire is going to be
2: but but Tyrion, Tyrion does, does too I, I i i think Tyrion does too i mean Tyrion. i think Ned but, Stark but does more. Tyrion is but, different
0: right Tyrion but
2: no but Tyrion is more Tyrion is more than just one of the central the, the central um, characters because he does represent certain things about it. I mean, he you know he represents in a lot of ways the way of like playing the the the, the game and surviving in really a hostile world. It's like it gets heightened because he's so he you know he's so physically inept, but he finds ways to use his, his brain. So, like, mm-hmm. it kind of is, like, in some ways you could look at it as a metaphor, not that George Martin does like consciously conscious thing about it, but it's kind of like a metaphor for how you would deal with this time anyway. Because you feel like he's one of the people you can connect with kind of on a real level of, like, how do you deal with this crazy world? How do you do it? And he kind of has an answer because he's kind of moral. He He's kind of, like, a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he tries to do good things, though he recognizes the things that are, the, the flaws that are there. You know, Ned Stark is the person you want to, to succeed. You know what I mean? Like, you really, like, want him to, you want a type of person like that to succeed. But Tyrion, you can kind of relate to, because, you know, we, it's kind of like, we all have these fucked up qualities. We're all, we all, like, you know, like, like, we can't deal with this or how to be able to hack in this sort of world. He kind of shows a blueprint for how to actually do it. I mean, I'm getting, I'm reading really into it. I'm not saying that it, that that's the only way of looking at it. But I think that people can identify with Tyrion in a big way. So I, so I would choose that Stark over Tyrion, but only by a little bit. Okay.
1: All right. That's well, fair. Let's think about sort of the personal connection
2: here. Yeah.
1: Because I think it's a little bit different for each of us. Right. I mean, I know I certainly didn't come to it until after you, and I didn't really get into it until after both of you. Although,
2: at this point, I've... Really read a lot, right? Stuff. Right? Right? You you definitely got it. Got it. Found out more stuff than I did with it. I mean, my connection to it is is so deep, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was the first one I was to read it, and I read it since the first book before the second book came out, before Clash of Kings came out. So like, Crazy. so for me, yeah Benji's, yeah.
0: Benji's putting on his his uh, thick hipster plastic hipster frame is. glasses right now. Oh my now. god!
2: For this, for this, for this, I am <laughs> like like for this I am, and I will admit it because and it really like I do hold it back pretty well. Benji is a Song of really Ice and
0: Fire hipster. I totally it am. It's
2: so weird, like, because I get angry when people start talking about it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't show it outwardly. I don't tell them that they're not that they're not like worthwhile. But you know that thing, the the what's it called, of Thrones, the Rage of Thrones thing, that said, I read the fucking book, yeah. the whole thing, and it's got like that whole thing where that where that guy is like, uh, that that guy saying like, oh, I read it like eight years ago, so don't tell me about Jon Snow, <laughs> I already know, <laughs> but it's but it's true. It's like people talk. About, oh, who's in this. Isn't this character uh, a or Isn't this thing crazy? And it's like, and it's like, I got, cause I got so deeply invested into it for so long, way before the show thing happened, that people got super invested in it. So it was like, I, I, like, you know, and then it also has this childlike thing for me. Like, I actually had like a childhood connection with it, you know, and it was kind of a little before my transition into puberty or whatever. So like, mm-hmm. I I was really into it. And it stayed, it stayed with me for a long time, you know, cause I, also, I read it in middle school and high school and college, and then after college. And it's like, in each of those periods of my life, a a new book has come out, you know. Sort of
0: like Harry Potter, but just on like a a a much more prolonged uh, time delay.
2: Oh, yeah, people speak similarly about Harry Potter, and I I respect it, you know. It wasn't the same for me with Harry Potter.
1: Harry Potter did have a little bit of that kind of arc for me, but I I think it's relevant, but I didn't quite want to include it in this. this, Yeah, we didn't even think
2: about it. That's the interesting thing.
1: Well, I think part of what's really nerdy about it is what's nerdy for me and not all of us in the same way. It's a little bit different.
2: But but I think I think Harry Potter is like Star Wars in the sense that it had, that there are a lot of – that it's a ton of fans and that there are a lot of people who are huge Harry Potter fans but aren't necessarily nerds and there are definitely Harry Potter nerds. Right. You know what well, I mean? That's yeah. what Star Wars is like.
1: Right. So I, feel, um, I we'll get into some of the specific parallels that we considered later. When we talk about the sci-fi part of it, but I also think when I think about how I got into it, it was different from you because I hey, read you got into
2: which Harry Potter or Game of Thrones into Song of Ice
1: and Fire. Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, I read the first two books, and they were they didn't really draw me in. Like the truth is, like the Red Wedding stuff and everything there. I didn't spoiler. <laughs> yeah, for the phrase. Well, yeah, I got in trouble for the for that. So I mean. The truth is, like I said, I read that. The problem is the way it was for me is that I didn't have that when I first read it. It wasn't the same thing because I wasn't I wasn't as attached to the character, The one was interesting now, the, and I only got to some of the third book, and then I even tried reading. I like, was reading some of that, and I kept going, and I sort of lost connection because there was such a delay between set two and three for me. Mm-hmm. That I didn't really. It was sort of like, oh right, this, wait, right, that guy, and all that, and I didn't really remember it, so I didn't, it didn't mean as much when things happened. And the same, and for four, I was just sort of like confused. Now, when I went back and then reread it, I got into it much more because then it was like like catching up with old friends. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah.
2: yeah. I, and I, you might, know,
0: actually, I had a I had some... a similar experience with reading the books the first time that I read them. Um, I didn't know who a lot of the characters were. Like even yeah. even in like the second and third book, I was I was still like, who is that guy and yeah, why is yeah. he important? You know. And when I when I read the books a second time, it was totally a totally different experience because I knew who everyone was and I started to understand how it all fit together in a way that like these books are just too big to grasp the whole thing the first time when you read them. It totally, just, totally. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to say it can't be done, but. You know, I don't. I think most people just can't wrap their heads around it the first time that they read it. But the and second time, being, the yeah. second time, it's it's it, like you said. It's like it's like these are like old friends. Like I know who all these people are. The thousands of characters, and there are um, actually I, I read somewhere that there's slightly over a thousand named characters in the uh, in in the five books so far.
1: Yeah, although most yeah. of them are not.
0: Many of them are not actually important, but but still, you do have to yeah. know who. Well, look like, at the A, a, the a back few of hundred the people. There's like a few hundred different different yeah. characters that you actually have to be able to know who they are.
2: Well, and and, and the thing is is like it's interesting because people will know way more than I will yeah, about that. Really. Plenty of it cause oh, like and, really. and, the, and the thing is is like I read the first, I read the first book and the first books like I read Game of Thrones when I was like eleven or twelve, maybe ten, but I think I was eleven. You know, so my brain wasn't... It was such a leap for my brain to go, so I I did pick up things. I picked up the main things, but it really was it really was a stretch for me to figure out a of that was going on. I remember, like, like right, I really didn't get a lot... I really didn't get a lot of the plot well, sure, when I read it.
1: Even, like, smaller characters, like, think about the amazing arc of Geno Slint, and no spoilers, because I'm not going to say what happens at all with him, but I'm saying, from first book on, yeah. who could have imagined the satisfaction you would get out of his storyline. Uh, well, listen,
0: even even not, not looking at minor characters like that, like, the first time I read the first books, like, I had that hell of a time figuring out that, like, Littlefinger and Peter Baelish were the same person. No, man. Yeah, and that, sure, or, sure. like, who is this guy, and why is he, like, popping up all the time, and, you know, what yeah. is he doing? Like Like, yeah. I couldn't figure any of it out, because, like, he really doesn't, I mean, he explains a little bit when he first introduces the characters, but it's easy to just pass right over that, and then you're you're lost, just completely well, lost. Well, that's
2: the thing. I mean, also, also, Littlefinger is like one of these characters that just that just you don't quite you don't quite get it in the beginning. Like you like it's like why is he there? Why is he there? And like you start to realize over the course of the story. I don't know if these are spoilers, but um, realize he's over the course important. of the story, like it's not a spoiler like,
0: to say that he's important.
2: He's yeah, he's a super important character. Yeah, you know, well, so yeah I mean, I i
1: guess to, to finish my little story, it's yeah. when I, I reread it for the third time when *Dance of Dragons* was coming out because I wanted to read them all again before it came out to remind myself of everything. So I bought the four books, which I I didn't really own. I had owned the first one when the first season came out because I read it sort of after the season was mm-hmm. out and after I watched the first season, it's like let me get the book and read it again. And it's like oh, hmm, yeah, this is interesting in comparison. And then I read the first. Then I read those first four in a relatively fast amount of time because I was I was racing through them so that I would be I able to get to start reading the book when it came out, yeah. and I was able to. But it was interesting because doing it like that, it was a different experience because I was picking up so much more than I was before. And now that I've reread them, you know, or rereading them for right a fourth time, now it's just sort of like, you know, like oh yeah, right. Nothing. Yeah. And Sam and I are doing this experiment, which is to this which is gonna be in one of the podcasts coming up, where we're rereading dance and feast in a what's called the suggested reading order, where basically some people arranged it chronologically.
2: Oh wow.
1: So we're doing that and then we read four chapters at a time and then we discuss it. Now we've already done the first four. I don't know when this podcast will be up if our first one will be up. I think probably. I think I've, I think it'll be posted right before this one. But it it's interesting. Just because there's so much you can do, there's so much in there. But I think that's right. enough on on Ned for now.